Maura Healy of Massachusetts became one of two openly lesbian candidates to win a gubernatorial election on November 8, 2022. The news was flying thick and fast last week. So much so that I ended up with a superabundance of clipping from the week and had a hard time deciding what to cover. Then I thought, well, why not cover them all? Or at least as many as I can. So here we go. Queering America one vote at a time. Largely lost in all the midterm election day news is that America achieved a first on November 8 with the election of not one, but two openly lesbian governors. CBS News reports that Maura Healy of Massachusetts and Tina Kotek of Oregon were elected as governors of their respective states. Not only have these states delighted to impose the monstrous regiment on themselves, but to make matters worse, they have elected to impose a lesbian version of it. Worth noting is the close logical and practical relationship between feminism and lesbianism. Feminism is usually defined as the belief in social, economic, and political equality of the sexes. It seems to me that the logical endpoint for this philosophy is the complete erasure of all distinctions between men and women. And if there are no distinctions between men and women, then this lack of distinction logically extends not only to matters of politics and careers but to marriage. Hence the calls for legalizing same-sex marriage. It is not an accident that the homosexual movement, which traces its beginning to 1969, Follow the rise of second-wave feminism, which began with the publication of Betty Friedan's 1963 book, The Feminine Mystique. One article on second-wave feminism summarized Friedan's book by saying it, criticized the post-war belief that a woman's role was to marry and bear children. Now any Christian worth his salt knows full well that the idea that a woman's role is to marry and bear children is not some strange and exceptional post-war belief but is the consistent message of the scriptures themselves. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Nevertheless she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness, with self-control, that they, older women, admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. There is perhaps nothing that will get feminists riled up faster than to quote these and other verses from the Bible. But they express God's mind on the subject and cannot be dismissed by Christians without pain of contradiction. If we believe the Bible is the infallible and inerrant Word of God, we must accept this teaching, however much it may conflict with the prevailing ideas of the world. The U.S. Senate has been hard at work to ensure that the biblical definition of marriage as between one man and one woman will be buried as deeply as possible. According to the Politico article Same-Sex Marriage Protection's Clear Critical Senate Hurdle, 12 Republicans voted along with all Senate Democrats to advance this legislation. Unsurprisingly, the 12 Republicans included Ohio Senator Rob Portman who seems determined to do as much damage to America as he can before he retires in January. For the article, the bill is to include protections for religious liberty. The bipartisan amendment clarifies that the bill would leave intact protections from a 1993 religious freedom law, which outlaws placing a substantial burden on people's ability to exercise their religion. In addition, it states that non-profit religious groups would not have to perform marriage services and that the bill would not impact their tax treatment. It'll be interesting to see how long these legal protections last. My view is that the LGBTQ lobby will not be satisfied until it has queered every last corner of society, including Christians and Christian institutions that have the temerity to refuse to bow before the almighty LGBTQ agenda. This likely will come in the form of legislation attempting to force churches, regardless of their theological convictions, to perform same-sex marriages or face having their tax exemption removed or something far worse. It also could encompass a prohibition of freely teaching what the Bible says about homosexuality by making it a hate crime. Climate change con artistry. In case you missed it, 27 Colombian pesos, COP stands for Conference of the Parties, 
wrapped up its two-week-long meeting. If you're unfamiliar with 27 Colombian pesos or any of the prior such conferences, basically, it's another one of those yearly confabs where all the Bond villain, master of the universe types get together to talk about how best to implement their plans to make you live in a pod, eat bugs, and own nothing. One new bit of tyranny to come of this meeting was an agreement to set up a fund to help developing countries pay for the catastrophic consequences of climate change. According to the Washington Post. Greater than the conference hall of weary diplomats broke out in muted applause after 27 Colombian pesos President Sami Shokri sealed the deal with a strike of his gavel. Still, the crucial questions of which countries must provide financing for the fund and which will be eligible to benefit from it have been left to future negotiations. Wow. I just can't imagine who, oh who, the masters of the universe think should pay for this globalist climate hoax. Pro tip, if you're an American, they mean you. And in case you're wondering, Yes, Antichrist was among the master of the universe types represented at 27 Colombian pesos. You didn't think he was going to miss out on all the fun did you? For the Catholic publication The Tablet, Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin told world leaders at 27 Colombian pesos that concrete decisions to tackle the climate crisis can no longer be postponed. The Vatican began in earnest to push the use of the climate change hoax in 2015 with Pope Francis' encyclical Laudato Si, in which, surprise! Surprise! Dash he denounced individualism and capitalism and promoted world government. Quoting a couple of previous antichrists, Pope Francis wrote. Greater than as Benedict XVI has affirmed in continuity with the social teaching of the Church, to manage the global economy, to revive economies hit by the crisis, to avoid any deterioration of the present crisis and the greater imbalances that would result, to bring about integral and timely disarmament, food security and peace, to guarantee the protection of the environment and to regulate migration. For all this, there is urgent need of a true world political authority, as my predecessor Bless John XXIII indicated some years ago. Greater than. Greater than Laudato Si. 175. So there you have it. Three out of three antichrists agree that, when it comes to managing the global economy and guaranteeing the protection of the environment, world government is awesome. The antichrist popes and their minions are coming for your property and your liberty in the name of the made-up problem of climate change. Be vigilant and pray that the Lord would grant many the wisdom to see this evil hoax for what it is. Donald Trump is a very bad man. Last week, Donald Trump announced he's once again running for president in 2024. If he wins, it will be his third consecutive electoral victory. Am I implying that he won the 2020 election? Yes, I am. That election was the most obvious hoax I have ever seen. And the Democrats' fragility about so-called election deniers is just further proof that they know their victory in 2020 is a house of cards. For some reason, the Democrats, the deep staters, the globalists, the progressives, the Vaticanites, etc. actually expect us to believe that a senile, way past his prime Joe Biden, a guy who spent the entirety of the election season hiding in his basement, garnered more votes than Donald Trump who regularly pulled in more supporters at a single rally than Joe Biden probably did during the whole of his campaign. Of course, the 2020 election was rigged. And the lying legacy media is gearing up to rig it again. What I especially like is the calm, understated neutrality of their headlines. For example, Trump, who as president fomented an insurrection, says he is running again in 2024, the Washington Post. Trump says he's running for president again after lying about the 2020 election and trying to undermine democracy, BuzzFeed News. Donald Trump announced a 2024 run for president ignoring GOP warnings that his influence is harming the party. The New York Times. Donald Trump, twice impeached and under FBI investigation, launches 2024 White House bid, CNBC. Well, 
There you have it. DJT is an all-around very, very bad man. Do not, I repeat, do not under any circumstances so much as even consider supporting him. In all seriousness, I'm well aware that Trump has a lot of problems, one of them being his COVID failures. He allowed the Jesuits Fauci and Burks to dictate his COVID policies, which resulted in enormous intrusions into the liberties of the American people, pushed for the CARES Act, which is one of the reasons we're seeing massively rising prices in 2022, and has never repented of his support of the deadly and ineffective COVID jab. For these and other reasons, I can understand why someone who supported Trump in the past may not be so enthusiastic this time around. With that said, Trump gets a number of big-picture issues right, national sovereignty, economic liberty, and immigration. In my opinion, he's still the best candidate the Republicans have. Nobody can generate anywhere near the enthusiasm from the base as Trump. No one has earned the enmity of all the right people the way Trump has. Further, Trump is the only candidate the deep staters, globalists, Vaticanites and Democrats are afraid of. And you can tell they're afraid of him both by the obvious fraud they pulled to oust him in 2020, the hyperventilating they've done the past two years, and the over-the-top, imprecatory headlines they used to greet the announcement of his candidacy in 2024. Any man who is hated and feared that much by the corrupt and incompetent establishment, I'm speaking here of both the Democrats and the Renos as well as the business, educational, financial, entertainment, and military establishments, is worth a serious look simply for that reason. You can tell a lot about a man from his enemies. And nobody has as good an enemies list as the Donald. Further, Trump is at least a nominal Protestant and a man who has shown the ability to push back on Pope. The other candidate Republicans are looking too, and the man the establishment seems eager to support, Ron DeSantis, is a Roman Catholic. For what it's worth, Ron DeSantis has done a good, even a heroic job in some ways, pushing back on the wokest and COVID tyrannies. He seems to be a man who has honest convictions in favor of economic and political liberty, and I applaud his efforts. On the other hand, the fact that he is a Romanist is concerning. John Robbins once made a point about the danger of electing Roman Catholics to office. When you do this, you're hoping that a Roman Catholic layman is willing to thumb his nose at the Pope. That, as the saying goes, is a big ask. Liberty is the native language of Protestantism. For a Romanist, it's a foreign tongue learned with some difficulty, only after much practice, and one held in disdain by the men who rule the Vatican. One major concern that I have is that it may not matter whether Trump runs again or not. The Democrats, deep staters, etc. who rigged the 2020 presidential election made that fraud stick. It appears that they rigged the 2022 midterms as well. If that's the case, how can Christians and patriots expect to vote their way out of the problem we find ourselves in if election outcomes are in the hands of our enemies? This is a serious question, and it is not my aim to answer it now. But we need to be thinking about this. Immigration inundation. I bet you knew this was coming. Immigration. I just can't stop talking about it. A headline from the website Border Report announced border officials brace for new migrant surge with Title 42 gone. According to an article from Border Hawk, judge block U.S. from using Title 42 to expel migrants. The Trump administration used the authority to expel more than 185,000 migrants in fiscal year 2020, while the Biden administration expelled 937,000 migrants in 2021 and 983,000 migrants in 2022 using Title 42, according to Customs and Border Protection data. U.S. Representative Tony Gonzalez, Republican Texas warned about the loss of Title 42. Title 42 has been the only policy in place that has kept Border Patrol and law enforcement agencies above water. In its absence, there will be complete chaos in my district and across the country, Gonzalez said. 
Cancelling this policy without putting up any guardrails to deter illegal immigration once again highlights this administration's indifference to how severely our border communities continue to suffer from the border crisis. I'm glad to see that Rep. Gonzalez is sticking up for his constituents. But I would go further than him and say that cancelling Title 42 not only highlights the indifference of the Biden regime to the suffering of border communities but is clearly treasonous and an impeachable offense. As Christians, we must keep in mind that the treasonous activities of the Biden regime on immigration are simply the practical application of the social teaching of the Roman Church state. The Antichrist popes hate, despise, and detest free men and free nations and are seeking to use immigration to extinguish American liberty. Crypto crash. Cryptocurrencies took a beating last week, thanks to the collapse of Sam Bankman Fried's FTX exchange. There has been a lot written on this story, and I don't claim to fully understand it. But the outlines are fairly clear. Bankman-Fried was running what amounted to a crypto Ponzi scheme and it blew up. Perhaps this is one of the effects of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Over the past couple of months, many market observers have raised the point that the Fed tends to raise rates until they break something. Maybe FTX was that something. From my standpoint, the most interesting thing about this whole scam was that it may well have been some sort of money laundering operation for the Democrats. The Dems would funnel huge sums of taxpayer money to their cronies in Ukraine, supposedly to support the war effort, but not allow any oversight of how the money was used. Some of this money would find its way from Ukraine to Bankman-Fried's FTX exchange, and then Bankman-Fried would donate it to the Democrats. The word is, he was the second largest contributor to the Dems this past election cycle, topped only by George Soros. It certainly is interesting that the collapse of Bankman-Fried's company took place a few days after the November 8th election. Had it failed a few days earlier, it could have affected the vote. But I'm sure the timing of the collapse was in no way related to the midterms, sarcasm alert. Keep an eye on this story. It could get a lot more interesting as details emerge.